Welcome to The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and um, well, I've lived my life in the shadows quite frequently, so I'm ready to talk about this topic. And I'm joined the, the uh, and I am joined this week by my co-host and uh, friend and the man who I've known since he was a young boy, Jesse. How are you doing, Jesse? I'm good. I'm good, man. I am not made of rocks, nor do I have any good rock, paper, scissors jokes, but I'm good otherwise. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so uh, this week, we're going to just jump right into it because we're going to try to keep it a tight, tight hour. Um, we'll see how we'll see how well we do on that. Um, but uh, this week, we're going to be talking about and uh, this is one of our kind of birthday episodes um, where we talk about a particular artist um, from an entertainment uh, genre insert thing here and that we kind of enjoy or think is cool and kind of want to address. So uh, this week, uh, in honor of his birthday next week, um, we're going to be talking about uh, Taika Waititi. Yeah, that's the man. That's the man, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Not really a legend, I guess. But a star, probably, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is his birthday coming up. He's going to be 46, so he's settling into that nice middle age portion of his life where I think he'll probably continue to be successful. So it's always a good thing. Um, I did not know who Taika was really until what we do in the shadows and that kind of opened up Pandora's box to his other movies along with uh, Thor Ragnarok um, so that was my introduction to him I did not know him that well from his acting career um, really you know just when he started I think directing features was when I, I, I was introduced to him anyway I mean, I, I'm right there with you, Jesse. I think the very first time I was introduced to him was uh, definitely in What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. Um, which we could recount that story again. Um, <laughs> we could, you know, or people could just go back a year and listen to our Halloween episodes. But Very true, yeah. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> whatever's clever. Um, so, yeah, no, I think both of them were... Uh, are, I both of them i think um he has a very interesting career he's got some uh he's been an actor he's been a writer he's directed produced um he's very clearly uh been a pretty influential um individual when it comes to this uh the motion pictures yeah so yeah um do we want to start off with uh some of the stuff we have seen of his and what we really enjoy uh anything else i mean where, where do you want to go jesse <laughs> well i think and you know i don't want to speak like i'm an authority on the man because i'm really not but it seems to me just in you know some of the research that i did that he was a bigger name in new zealand his home country um, where of course they have you know a pretty damn solid uh culture of filmmaking and comedy and acting and all that good stuff. Um, so that's definitely, I think, where he was more renowned for his work. 
And really it was probably, I think what we do in the shadows probably got his name out there a little more in the States. Um, but I really think his first big break was a uh, hunt for the wilder people, at least in terms of like putting a bunch of um, stateside critical acclaim behind his name. Yeah. I, th I think I saw that after I um, learned that he was doing uh, Ragnarok. Um just because I was curious to see, I was like, all right, well, like I know this, I, I was excited because I was like, oh, this is the guy that did what we do in the shadows. He's hilarious. He's great. He's wonderful. Like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Let's take a look at some of his other stuff here. And um, that one was uh, interesting in the sense that it, it was, I'd only ever seen what we do in the shadows. So then when I'd seen uh, hunt for the wilder people, it was just so like different in uh, obviously it's two very different. It's very, two very different stories, but he's just, uh, I think he just has a great way to like bring out some really good emotions and like he, he has the ability and I'm going to stress this has the ability to really frame and set scenes and make you, uh, really enjoy watching these people act. Um, yeah. When, when he's given the opportunity, we'll hang a caveat on that because go back and listen to our Thor uh, Love and Thunder and you'll understand. I mean, <laughs> sure. I mean, no one has a 100% success rate in <laughs> this industry or in life, if we're being honest. I mean, if you look at the last 20 years of Ridley Scott and Steven Spielberg, you probably see a lot of questionable shit that you're like, wow, those guys made that? All right. <laughs> Not as good as they used to be. So it, it happens. Um, I think there are always factors behind that. I'm not absolving him of the travesty that was Thor, Love, and Thunder. But I think he's built up enough, a strong enough body of work, not just with his directing, but with you know some of the projects that he chooses to produce that I believe that was probably more of a, you know, an outlier in terms of what his career will be like. Um, but yeah, nobody gets them right all the time. Thor Ragnarok, though, and we've talked about this movie at length in some of our other Marvel episodes, including the, the MCU rankings that we did. But that was my wife's and I, where that was our real introduction to him in terms of, you know, instantly falling in love with a movie and then it becoming a staple that we would rewatch time and time again. And also what we do in the shadows coinciding with that. So those two we've covered pretty well. So I don't want to spend too much time again there, but after that it was really Jojo rabbit was, I think the next movie of his that I saw and, after having the commercial success with Ragnarok, that was, you know, kind of his first entry into actually being up for, you know, some big time awards uh, for the work that he did there. Yeah, I think looking up some interesting facts about um, I came across some stuff that said that he had directed some of the highest grossing New Zealand films ever with Boy from uh, 2010, which I still need to see. It's on my like massive queue of things to see of. Uh, it always gets longer and longer. Yeah, always longer and longer. Um, 
which grossed uh nine uh nine point two million dollars and then the hunt for the wilder people uh which came out in 2016 which grossed 12 million dollars so i mean nothing small to snuff at like you know he he was doing pretty well for these even before he really um you know became super famous stateside i guess um and i don't know well and i mean he did spend time with jermaine clement uh doing flight of the concords Mm -hmm. Uh, he directed i think four episodes for that so obviously that that I don't know if they knew each other before that or not, but it was one of their first main collaborations. Um, and of course, you know, that eventually led to what we do in the shadows. That was really successful. Now, of course, what we do in the shadows is a series on FX, but you really can kind of go back and, you know, uh, retrace all his success to, you know, becoming a big name in New Zealand, which, it was pretty cool. Not not everybody is able to, I think, find that level of success um, for you know filmmaking, you know, where they're born. So to be able to do that, that probably felt pretty special. I would imagine. Yeah, it's. I mean, when you get to advance your career that to that level, you got to appreciate those. I, I think he I, he always seems like a real nice guy. So I assume that he's never met him. Obviously, sadly but he just seems to really enjoy the visual aesthetic of being able to tell these stories and like bring joy to people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, and you know, like we saw with Jojo rabbit, he's not afraid to use comedy as a device for social commentary either. And, or as a way to maybe critique, uh, some pretty bleak history if need be to uh, try and educate, you know, a new audience. So I, I think that that's a level of versatility that usually lends itself well to a long career because he's always going to be known for his comedy, but he can, at least most of the time he can uh, transition into, you know, something a little more serious or maybe, you know, more of a drama, you know, with those comedic undertones or even, you know, like Jojo Rabbit doing a black comedy where you do very much have the, have the good times in Nazi Germany, but uh, there's some, uh, there's some heavy shit that comes along with that as well. So I think he's found a pretty good balance for himself as a filmmaker. I'm kind of curious to see if he tries to stay in his lane moving forward, or maybe if he tries to expand, uh, his palette a little bit in terms of what he's willing to do and uh, which projects he wants to be a part of. Yeah. I do think the, as of right now, I mean, the sky's the limit for him as long as they, I I think maybe that's where it is, is that if he's given the opportunity to kind of flex in the right way and, you know, stretch his uh, creative muscles, I think he, he does a really good job. But also I think sometimes he does need, maybe like some people there, like kind of checking him, on his stuff because i can only assume that that's uh with some of the more recent stuff he's done i feel like he's getting he like we have, we've talked about before is that sometimes it feels like directors get to the point where people just agree with everything they're doing and there's no one being like maybe that isn't as funny as you think it is man and 
I think that's that's kind of been my impression of the most recent stuff he's done uh, between uh, our, our flag means death and Thor uh, love and thunder kind of just feel like that to me where he's like just people are letting him run completely off uh, you know just you know go yeah it's great just everything you do will be funny and then it's just like uh, not everything lands 100% of the time did you ever finish our flag means death nope I can't it's painful it hurts me to watch that Wait, um, where, did, where did the show touch you Michael <laughs> it touched me in the in my no no square um that's tough uh <laughs> you know it, it's interesting you say that um because while i emphatically agree with you on thor love and thunder i actually you know really enjoyed our flag main stuff my wife really loved that i not just for the comedy there was also you know some substantial representation and some uh lgbtq um inclusion as well so i think while the jokes may not have landed i it's unfortunate that it chased you away so early because i think there was more than just some comedy that wasn't for you you know but uh i overall i think that came across pretty well hopefully that's not the start of a trend where you know now coming off of love and thunder that he's just getting a little more erratic we'll say with how he's, you know, writing his projects or setting up his bits or gags that he wants to include or whatnot and doesn't have complete autonomy over everything to the point where he doesn't listen to anybody else's ideas. I I don't think he would be like that, but one of the things that you have brought up in the past is that, you know, when directors get so successful that people just don't want to check them, which I never agree with i think you always got to be willing to keep it real even with really successful people <laughs> yeah i mean i'm looking at his, his upcoming unannounced or announced or uh, you know just kind of stuff that's you know he's rumored or uh, has talked about being a part of and i mean i'm excited to see because there's certain things like look and, and he's a great writer too i think he does a very good job with writing uh reservation dogs is a great example he, he's written a lot of that it's fantastic uh what we do in the shadows tv show it's there are parts of it that i find are i can tell that he probably because i can sense the humor um or i'm just like this is this is weird and dumb but then other parts of it i'm like this is classic like what we do in the shadows jokes um but yeah. he's doing like um the where is it time bandits the tv show so i'm hoping that's some sort of thing back to the uh movie time bandits uh flash gordon um from you know uh, again old uh pulp fictiony uh comic books uh radio drama type stuff and uh, yeah. that one horrific movie that the queen did the soundtrack to which is the only redeeming quality past the campiness i mean it's 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 ter it's terribly good in that sense yeah. um and then he's also doing the screenplay for Akira, uh, which and directing that apparently. And for those that don't know, Akira is like one of the pinnacle uh, anime films all time. Like that's like people like hold that to like a high regard. So I'm very curious to see what that what ha if they're doing a live action. I'm assuming it's live action of that. Um, so which has a very different tone than anything else he's done so maybe that maybe you're getting your wish jesse maybe he is branching out to something a little bit more 
specific? <laughs> well, brave for trying to adapt one of the most critically acclaimed animes of all time. Godspeeds are better you than me, I would say, <laughs> in multiple ways. But um, that's cool. Like, you know, I, he's still a name that when he pops up and he's attached to a project, whether he's directing or producing, you know, writing, what have you, that's still a name that is going to draw my attention and I'll be automatically interested in seeing how that pans out and consuming that content once it comes out. So, I mean, he, he had a misstep, but I don't think that's really changed my opinion on his previous body of work. So I, that's cool. I hope it, I hope it goes well. Um, again, that's a, that's a high bar to leap over though, Michael. <laughs> for adapting anime so yeah it didn't work out so well for cowboy bebop i mean it hasn't worked out well for most things just anything you're trying to adapt an anime so i'm curious to see i mean he's he's credited for writing so i'm curious to see like what's going to happen with that now i'm like super excited so um but yeah we'll see i i i think he's probably always going to be one of those guys who even if he does, I think, try and dip his toes into some different genres or at least, you know, more serious undertones in the projects that he's developing. I have a feeling he's always going to just be a guy who has those comedic undertones to everything. So we'll see. But that was one of my, I think, nitpicks for Jojo Rabbit, which is very much, of course, set up as, you know, almost a parody of sorts and kind of using comedy in the, the Monty Python style of how, you know, these Nazis are being portrayed, you know, Heil Hitler in the boy and Heil Hitler in yourself and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but then they would transition abruptly into, again, some pretty bleak and serious um, uh, sequences where you know people are you know being slaughtered in the streets, or a friend you know watches you know one of his mentors die, or something like that. Um, and it would just kind of seem like there was a tonal imbalance in the movie overall. And I, it was just a minor critique of mine at the time because I did really enjoy that movie, but then kind of seeing that snowball a little bit since then it kind of you know makes me a little wary at the same time that okay man it's it's okay to be serious and not go for the gag you don't you don't have to make us laugh all i mean yeah i don't i i feel like that's a good that's a good way of putting it he doesn't have to make his laugh all the time but i feel like he he feels like he has to can't um, help himself he can't <laughs> help himself i even think um he was in um a free guy, a movie I absolutely despised. Um, and, and remember you saying you did not enjoy that at all. Yeah, no, not, not in the least. Um, and he was one of the parts that I, I thought was just like really like, like stupid, dumb. Uh, and it was just real like, Oh my God, this guy, like, please stop doing this. Your act, the acting he was doing in that movie was just so, so annoying and i just was 
so over it and it just makes me again go back to that whole thing it just it, i could get concerned when i see him attaching himself to so many projects that have that that have like a lot behind them uh you know time bandits uh akira uh even um we uh, uh were wolves which he's producing writing and directing uh, which is going to be a follow-up to the mockumentary series, uh, mockumentary, what we do in the shadows. So it just, it scares me that hopefully he, he, he can rein himself back in a little bit, kind of be a little bit closer to a little closer to his early stuff where, you know, he had a little caution, I feel like before he just completely cut loose, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I think at this point he's probably being, like free guy is a good example. And I, I saw that movie sometime in the past, you know, several months somewhere in there, but <laughs> obviously it did not leave much of an impression on me because I can't even remember when I saw the dance thing, but it was okay. Um, I see, I have the opposite problem with that where with Ryan Reynolds, I, I feel like he's just kind of going through going through the motions with 60% of the things that he does. And every once in a while we get something really great. That's a, that's a different episode. Um, I think it's possible that with the success of, you know, Ragnarok and of course, you know, Jojo rabbit, which he was also in uh, playing Hitler. Um, I have a feeling he's probably getting more offers and more opportunities to be the like comedic anchor of certain things, or if it's going to be more of an antagonist role to play that in a way that's atypical from what you would expect from that type of villain, which is what we saw in free guy. It's also some of what you see from him and, uh, our flag means death. So I think that's probably not going away um, because, Hey, I mean, if a studio wants to back up the truck for you to, you know, just do something that you're really comfortable with for three months, obviously you're going to do that and <laughs> not complain too much about it. But I think it's important that he continues selecting projects where, he continues to challenge himself um, because while he's had a really good career thus far, um, you know, some directors I think you see have that early success, make a name for themselves. Then they're just kind of coasting through, through their, their golden years or their middle age years or wherever they're at. And so we'll see, but uh, I, I do have a feeling we're probably going to see more, stuff like that from him, which is just kind of is what it is um, due to the industry. Painful, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> uh, okay. He did. I'll, I'll believe you, Jesse. I'll, I'll, I'll hold on. I'll keep holding on. I keep holding on. He did also, he was nominated for an Emmy for IG-11, which was his bounty hunting droid that he portrayed in The Mandalorian. That was news to me. Oh, <laughs> like that's the movie he got an Emmy nomination for or show he got an Emmy nomination for was the fucking Mandalorian. OK. I didn't feel like he was really even in that that much. <clears throat> I. 
Yeah, that's weird. I feel like it didn't really um, scream acting to me. <laughs> well, it was the Emmy Award for Outstanding Character Voiceover Performance, which makes sense. But it just doesn't seem like he was really in the show that much. Maybe it was a, a weak candidate pool that year. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm looking up right now. I want to look that up to be like, what else was happening in 2000 and yeah 2019 with that with character voice acting because that's interesting because i don't remember that robot making anything more than just like a few beeping and booping noises i remember he talked a little bit i'm really the most impressive thing about him was and spoilers for those who haven't seen mandalorian but um it's been three years but we've had a pandemic you've watched the entire internet at this point come on now (laughs) but I thought the coolest part of IG-11 was when Nick Nolte's character reprogrammed him and he became a protective droid rather than a bounty hunter or an assassin droid. So then he was just fucking gunning down stormtroopers. That was awesome. But I I just don't remember that many of his lines. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm struggling very hard. Good for him. Um, Did you happen to see who the other candidates were that year? No, I'm still looking. Hold on. So that year, uh, Wanda Sykes for Crank Yankers, Leslie Odom Jr. for Central Park, uh, Nancy Cartwright and Hank Azaria for The Simpsons. Maya Rudolph won that year, though, for Big Mouth. Wow. What a terrible fucking year, apparently. Central Park hasn't gone on to do anything else. That Okay, wow. I guess it was a bad year for him to get nominated for that. Or a good year for him to get nominated. I, I don't know. I mean, Big Mouth win. Good job. That was cool. I think maybe that's a different topic about how we need to get a little more innovative and dedicate some more resources to voiceover performances. But hey, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, some of these adult cartoons just need to fucking go away already. It's been way too long. But I, I digress again. Um, it's just interesting that that's the one that he received an Emmy nomination for because he's had better work than that, including on TV. It's it's interesting, but overall, man, uh, I've really enjoyed his films. Um, I enjoy him as an actor. I wish he would, you know, be a little more serious sometimes, but you know, we've, that's who he is. So we're we're just all on the ride in that regard. But uh, you mentioned Reservation Dogs, which I discussed on a previous episode that we did about what we're, we've been consuming lately. And they just started season two of that. I think he's a producer and writer, and I think he has directed some. But I, I don't think he is too heavily involved with the the day-to-day of that show uh, because I think and he said this that it was important to him that you know people get to tell their own stories and of course it's a story about you know kids on you know reservation trying to you know have a coming of age and you know make it to California and stuff and it's important to have you know uh, Native Americans telling that story so but I thought it was cool. Not everybody feels that way. And it, it's, I think, 
encouraging that he's providing that platform to others when he, when he is in a position to help projects get made. So I, I do hope that's a trend that we, we continue to see from him. I mean, yeah, it, I think it comes to the fact that he is also um, the first, uh, first person of indigenous descent um, mm. to win an Oscar. So yeah. Yeah, I, I looks like yeah, he just does. He's a producer and he does. Uh, he's a writer for it. So yeah. yeah, I think it's it's nice to see him being able to support and actually push forward with giving an avenue, uh, a support and a pathway for people to be able to speak their voices to the public. Absolutely, and that's that's just a great show. I mean, it it it's very much a show you think he might be more involved with in terms of the writing and the directing because of the the tones and you know you know the comedic bits that it, it can include and some of the running gags but that one i feel like strikes a really good balance between the serious and uh the silly so it's you know i it's not surprising that people probably think he has a, a bigger hand and all that, but no, it's, he found good talent and he's letting them do their, their thing and tell their own stories. And that's dope. That's other than that. I mean, I, I think I've seen him act in some other things, but primarily that's, those are the, those are the projects, the films, the shows that I know him from. Yeah. I mean, again, I can't speak highly enough of what we do in the shadows, the movie, uh, as like kind of that introduction um, to his yeah. sense of humor. Um, from my understanding, a lot of that movie was pretty much improv between him and the, the uh, him, the other actor, a lot of those other actors, you know, they, they all were pretty solid improvers together. So they, they did a really good job. Um, I would and... say, yeah, that, I mean, it's a mockumentary. That's probably the tightest of his films in terms of just the pace and, you know, the, the script and all that, but if it was improv, then I, I think sometimes that works out in surprising ways. So. <laughs> well, I think when you, when you, I think there's something that comes out of like writing in, in a writing room and doing something funny and improv, like um, improv just has so much more of a natural feel and especially in a setting of a mockumentary, I feel like that probably flows so much better than like a, a written out uh, funny dialogue scene, just because you can like play off the situation, you know, the situation is coming, but you can play off everybody else and like have that back and forth, that natural flow, kind of like an actual surprise, surprise conversation that you would get in an actual documentary. So yeah. Yeah, it is some of his. I think some of his tightest humor and situational comedy that he puts forth um, out there, and that's what. And that see, that's that's what I kind of missed from Love and Thunder, where it just kind of felt like everything was. And I, this isn't me getting back into being mad at Love and Thunder and crapping on it, but um, you just gotta move on. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's one of those things where you you see it, and when you see those situations that he can kind of put in those, those moments that are funny. And then you see something that feels so very forced, like you see in love and thunder. It's the, it's that, it's that disappointment that comes forward from it. 
that just is like, man, you could be so good. Like you got, you got a good sense of humor, man. Like, why are we, why, why, why are we dicking around with screaming goats? Well, and God, yeah, don't, don't start that. <laughs> but, uh, I think that was one of the reasons why Love and Thunder was so disappointing is that we, we know he's better than what the end product was there. And we have seen him. Yes. You know, there's going to be a lot of jokes in this two hour, two and a half hour runtime, but it never felt like, like you said, it was never forced, but it also didn't take away from, you know, the tension or the, the drama with the characters or detract from, you know, any of the really poignant or, you know, painful experiences that they were going through. I, I think the hunt for the wilder people is a great example of that. And apparently he and Sam Neill are really good buds because he's been in a few of his movies now, but um, that was a man who, you know, had experienced trauma in the past who experiences another trauma at the beginning of the film. And he's got a lot of funny lines in that movie, but that's, that's not the central focus of the story. It's always about the characters and giving them a natural trajectory so they can experience some growth and maybe lose a little bit, but uh, come out better for it, or at least a better person for it in the end. And we saw that in Ragnarok too. I mean, Thor had some painful moments uh, that he had to go through, but despite, you know, his, <laughs> his, you know, his willingness to be a little bit more loose and silly and fun. Um, it never did take away from the fact that this is a man who's lost a lot and is really trying to prove himself, you know, as, you know, he can actually, you know, live up to the expectations that people have for him. And so I hope to see more of that from Taika in the future. I, you know, whatever happened with love and thunder, I think, it could easily be an outlier, but only if, you know, he doesn't lose focus of, I think, what made a lot of his early, like you said, a lot of his earlier films great in the first place. Yeah, and I just wonder if there was tampering that, or not enough tampering, or there was too much tampering. I'm just curious on it, but. Yeah, and I mean, he wrote Love and Thunder, but I, we've talked at length, too, about Marvel just kind of struggling overall right now. You've described them as it feels like phase four. We're just running on a treadmill. Um, it, it doesn't really feel like there's any roadmap or anybody steering the ship. So all these directors are just kind of coming in and do whatever you want. because We don't have any plan right now. And you got to tie it into this thing. We promise it will make sense later. Yeah. Uh, include these things. One, two, three right here. Uh, otherwise, do whatever the fuck you want. I guess maybe if he just, you know, took him up on that and did whatever the hell he wanted, which is unfortunate because that did have a lot of promise and obviously they squandered that. But I think, you know, it, it's probably not, it's not all, you know, one thing with a project like that. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why that movie sucked. All right. Off Love and Thunder. <laughs> off, off Love and Thunder for good. Um, but I think one thing that I've noticed that he's done is that he's not tying himself to anyone like studio or streaming service or anything like that. 
Obviously, he probably still has a good relationship with Marvel. Um, he's done work with FX, um, a couple different series now. Um, he also has worked with HBO Max, um, which who knows how much longer that will be around with the Warner Brothers Discovery merger. Um, point being that from a business perspective, he seems to be you know, keeping working relationships with various studios and uh, streaming platforms. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think as long as he wants to work, he's going to have plenty of opportunities based on those relationships he's built. I think he's, as long as he doesn't start really tanking, I feel like, yeah, he'll have quite some time to be able to play, uh, uh, be, be able to produce and direct and write the stories he wants to show the world, the stories he wants to tell. You say that, but Shyamalan was fucking tanking real hard for a number <laughs> of years. And then he kind of got back on track and he's still making movies. Like they still give him stuff to do. Okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. So I think I think some guys are tank proof. Like they're going to get offers no matter what at a certain point. <laughs> but I, again, I am a big fan of his. He is he's definitely one of the directors that I look to when I'm, uh, when I'm doing some research about upcoming projects and movies and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what the man does next. Probably going to make a joke, but then what he does after that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm excited for him to come back or for us to be able to bring him. To, I'm excited to talk about him again here without crapping all over his movie that he just did. So I'm yeah, looking forward to it. yeah, we're just, we're going to bury that. In my backyard, and then we're never going to talk about it again. Yep. All right. Um, I mean, I'm okay with wrapping up here, Jesse. Uh, mostly for my, my me, me and my editing sake. If you're okay with it. Always about you and your editing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm good. I think we captured it pretty well. Um, we have talked about him in other episodes. So if you're a Marvel fan or a what we do, the Shadows fan, definitely check those out. Um, and I will end my thoughts with that shameless plug. All right. Thanks for the shameless plug, Jesse. And uh, thank you all for listening to uh, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, depending on how much I'm doing uh, that weekend. Uh, but hey, if we got something wrong or um, I'm wrong with and I really need to uh, rewatch Flag Means Death, um, sound off in our emails at uh, hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hittherealpodcast at gmail.com. If we get enough emails in there saying I really need to watch that show, I will buckle down and I will watch it from beginning to end all over. So email us. That's a challenge, I guess. Um, also, feel free. And man, that sounds painful. Uh, also, feel free to take a look at our Patreon in the description of the episode. And uh, hey, like always, uh, keep it real.